Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwire and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing a little bit of film news, moving on into some what we've been watching, and then concluding with an in-depth review. This week, we'll be reviewing One Cut of the Dead, a Japanese zombie film. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. Hey, I thought you guys were going to review Hashtag Alive uh, on the podcast this week. And that was yeah. initially... Th- this is not a Hotel Mumbai situation of watching the wrong movie. Let me just tell you guys. <laughs> Although, you know, could have happened. It's zombie movies, right? Zombie <laughs> movies, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the reason we did this is because I want to say Eric Page tweeted at us using the hashtag slash tag on Twitter. He Mm -hmm. said, uh, quote, don't watch hashtag alive for the next episode. It was okay, but if you want a horror comedy, watch one cut of the dead. It's seriously a masterpiece about the pleasures and horrors of filmmaking. And don't make the mistake of turning it off. Uh, This is this is all we need here in the Slash (laughs) Filmcast. One person to tell us something and we will completely change our plans. Completely disrupted everything. Well, we it's, also, it's, also, it's also that we've heard from here. I'd heard from some people that yeah, yeah. hashtag alive was only OK. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'd heard from everyone that one cut of the dead was amazing. I'd I've, also. I've been, yeah. Yep. I've been waiting for the last year, Dave, to watch this movie. And apparently it was up on Amazon randomly free in like January or February for some reason. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I just I, want everyone listening to know <laughs> if you want to completely alter this podcast just be one person who randomly tweets at us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all it takes. One person can make a difference. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you want to share your uh, opinion on what we should be watching, uh, just use hashtag slash tag on Twitter. That's the hashtag symbol, the word slash tag. Um, and if it's you, so yeah. useful. It's seriously so useful. I love it so much. We, I can't believe we haven't been doing this for years. It's so useful to me. I love it. Also, want to give a shout out to Mike C, a uh, listener and admin of the Slack Filmcast, who created the website hashtag slashtag.com, which aggregates uh, all of the hashtag slashtag posts. So if you want to just go check those out, people's recommendations, you can go there. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's why we are reviewing One Cut of the Dead. I had purchased the, the movie and I hadn't got around to watching it because I'd heard it's great. I blind yeah, bought it. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, this is an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. Uh, watch something for an episode of the Slash Filmcast. And also, uh, finally, watch this movie that has been sitting on my digital shelf for a long time. So, you know, you got to take these opportunities when they come. Gotta that's, take a, that's a whole other podcast, by the way, of just the movies we've bought and have not opened or touched. Like, let's just go through <laughs> our pile of shame, you know? Yeah, well, that's that was what we're, our approach was in the early yeah. days of COVID, and maybe we're going to get back to that. But like, we've had in kind of enough new movies coming out that we can kind of review "quote unquote" new releases still. Um, Isn't it great that we can be nostalgic for the early days of COVID? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it great that we have had enough COVID now right. that we can wistfully look back on the early days of COVID? Mm. That's how uh, that's how our memory works, Jeff. Because if we remember the full horror of reality, we would not be able to live. Like we uh, wouldn't be able to go on with fair. our lives. So. Great, great point. Great thought. Great thought to be. Um, <laughs> just, uh, just pointing it out. It's how no, we work. It's, tr- it's true. <laughs> okay, so gentlemen, this week, um, I mean, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. You can also email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. And I gotta say, this week. <laughs> we received what, in my opinion, is the greatest email of all time. 
It's pretty good. Whoa, that's the, the high, greatest, high praise. The greatest Slash Filmcast email of all time. Someone wrote into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This person writes in from, I think it's LA. His name is Joshua. And he writes in the slash filmcast at gmail.com with a subject line, a surreal moment. So, and it was a lengthy email. And I saw this subject line in my inbox. I'm like, this is going to be an interesting email. And I was not, dis- <laughs> I was not disappointed. Joshua writes in, quote, hi, Dave Devinder and Jeff. Sorry in advance for the length of this email, but I hope you can appreciate this. I usually only listen to an episode after seeing the featured movie. So this email is a bit delayed. The episode in reference is the Bill and Ted Face the Music review a few weeks back. On said episode, it finally happened. Something that's been a goal of mine for over a decade. For some context, I followed Jeff avidly since Totally Rad Show and Dave DeVidra since the beginning of the podcast. Listening to you three shaped my life more than you know. I was in high school in Las Vegas, and then in the summer I graduated, I followed my passion, stoked by you, to film school in Los Angeles. I was on my own in a new city facing adulthood. All the while, you guys were still there with me. Life's ups and downs, college, graduation, the struggle to break into the industry. I worked and worked. All my friends either gave up or moved away. I stayed, working my way from the bottom up. Long hours for dirt pay, set dressing on straight-to-redbox horror films. Gripping, lighting, PAing, anything I could. I am 28 years old now. The ramen diet days have paid off. I've been steadily working as a production coordinator for the past four years on bigger and bigger shows as the years went on. All this time, you guys have still been with me. One pipe dream I thought I'd have from time to time is, wouldn't it be so cool if they mentioned something I worked on? It would be like my Oscar, in a way. After all, you in part influenced my entire life path and career. Then it happened. I opened the show notes for Bill and Ted and my eyes widen. On Jeff's What We've Been Watching, I see it. Eco Challenge, World's Toughest Race. I did it. My Oscar moment. Do you see where this is going? I excitedly mm. listen, eager to finally hear the discussion of a show that I coordinated, <laughs> dot, 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 only to find out Jeff was disgusted and turned it off after 10 minutes. <laughs> you know what, though? No complaints about the production coordination. I will say that. <laughs> Chef's kiss. It didn't take any with anything away from the joy I got hearing you guys mention it. I actually laughed. It was perfect. And I didn't connect that Dave would have also worked on the show, even knowing his job affiliation. But that was so cool, too. It was a surreal, full circle moment, one that had me smiling and validating my journey th- thus far. I hope you got a little kick out of this little anecdote. But it's also all to say thank you. I literally don't think I'd be here without you guys. Stoking that passion for film and TV in my youth, following it to L.A. to break into the industry and keeping me company while I sit in traffic on commutes. Thank you. Much love, Josh. That's great. Wow, Josh. Honestly, first of all, congratulations for making it happen. You know, that's a hard... I think for me, the one of the most resonant parts of his email was when he said uh, everybody moved away or gave up or yeah, left yeah. and I stayed. And, and really, honestly, perseverance is the... Tenacity perseverance is the difference maker. It really is. And uh, kudos for that. Just been such a bummer that you had to be on this thing that was really just a bastardization of an old thing that was really, really good. But <laughs> I thought you were going to start also, with an apology, Jeff, but man. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, good, good, good job. I stand Nailed by it. my thoughts. But um, honestly, I think it must have been a fascinating project to be a production coordinator on. Oh, my God. What a, what a logistical uh, I don't want to say nightmare. I want to say challenge and and um, Herculean efforts, right? Like the logistics of of tracking that many teams, 
and putting camera folks into, you know, very extreme conditions themselves and dealing with weather, as you see on the show, it's, I bet he's got some stories that I would love to hear. So, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, you know, Josh also writes in the PS, quote, I know this is long email uh, and might not make it onto the show, but if it does, I also just want to say to anyone else out, uh, out there grinding, don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Whether you're getting coffee for jerk producers, starting a podcast, whatever it is, don't quit. You are appreciated and your hard work will pay off in the end. So, Can't wait till our hard work pays off, Dave. Yeah, I know. I'm still waiting for that hard work to pay off. <laughs> um, but maybe we're just kind of earlier on in the in the journey than Josh's. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We've only been doing the podcast for like 15 years. Or something, right? <laughs> so that hard work, that hard work is going to pay off any day now. <laughs> any day. Just, just wait longer. Wait a little longer. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, yeah, what a delightful email. And um, I mean, Josh, you know, you should have led with the fact that both you and I worked on the same show. You know, why didn't you lead with that? You gotta be so negative. Why you gotta be so negative, Josh? You know, you don't want to mention Jeff Kanata's thoughts. It's not yeah. gonna lead anywhere good. It's it's hard to write with positivity, Dave, when your heart is broken. You know, like when <laughs> <laughs> How, how can he go on? <laughs> it's true. You know, I didn't, I didn't think about it like that, Devendra. Yeah. Good, good point. I think hey, we Dave, can pinpoint what, uh, the moment in this email where, <laughs> where his, heart his heart broke. broke. <laughs> what part of uh, what part of Fiji were you in, Dave, when you worked on the show with? Oh, oh, you Joshua? know, I didn't. I didn't work on the the making of the show. I only did stuff after the show was done. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. You know, after principal, sure it's, very, it's, it's basically like you guys worked on the same thing, though. That's, after that's... principal photography is finished, that's what they call it in the biz, Jeff. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. thanks. Yeah. I wasn't no, clear on that. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, it is. It is like you guys both <laughs> equally contributed to the success of that show. Yeah, no, it's it's so Josh, so Josh, like be in the jungle with the team. You know, <laughs> you later, much much later, sitting yeah. in your house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in quarantine. No. That's yeah. all. All. 100% true and accurate. <laughs> Kenny from Utah writes in to the Slash Filmcast. Uh, Kenny from Utah writes in uh, with an email entitled The Sullied Experience. Oh, boy. I'm a longtime listener of the Slash Filmcast. I always enjoy <laughs> the fun conversations about film and culture. Having listened to your uh, podcast over the last several years, I've always been amused by Jeff's and Dave's attempts to remain unsullied. At times, I even admired the tenacious dedication to remaining spoiler-free and would delight at Jeff's excitement over a a shock about the movie he was watching. His reviews of films like Palm Springs and Split give me nothing but oral pleasure, A-U-R-A-L. That being said, I am not the one who is uh, I'm not one who is very spoiler averse. I do it normally mind if I see a trailer that shares bits of the third act or see a social media post that gives away too much. So in 2019, I decided I would try what I called the sullied experience. Essentially, I did the opposite of what Jeff does at every turn. I watched every trailer, read every plot description, listened to every podcast, read reviews, and specifically read the entire Wikipedia and or IMDb plot description, not just summary of almost every movie I saw in theaters in 2019. That means I knew the entire storylines and major plot twists of films like Avengers Endgame, Rise of Skywalker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and more. I was curious if I would... (laughs) I was curious if I'd enjoy the movies more or less than usual in 2019, and admittedly, I have no objective way of knowing what my reaction to these movies would have been if I had been unsullied, but but as an admittedly non-spoiler-afraid person, I found the increased information 
tempered my expectations for films in such a way that I enjoyed mediocre films more than normal without the hope that they might be great. I was still Dave, excited I think to this see- is I think this email is also <laughs> written by Josh. This is like his revenge on me. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I was still excited to see the really interesting and raved about films and even looked forward to seeing how those plot twists would work themselves out and be shown on the screen. And I avoided a bunch of bad and middling films that I would have paid to see in theaters and instead was able to catch at home later. So while I'm no longer going out of my way to sully myself, I don't worry in the slightest that knowing something might ruin my experience. My favorite films I can rewatch again and again, even though I know every red herring and clue, but I respect and admire Jeff and all the other unsullied as they remain true to themselves. For there is no wrong way to enjoy a movie unless you are texting in a dark theater in my peripheral vision. Keep up the good work, love the show, and uh, look forward to many more unsullied reviews that I may or may not listen to before I see the film. It's Kenny from Utah writing in the slash from cast at gmail.com. Amazing. Yeah, Devinder, I feel like this has been your position all along. No, no. This, this is, <laughs> well, let me, let me, me make like... this absolutely clear, by the way, because I feel like we are we are talking about extremes here. We're talking about the Jeff unsullied way. And we're talking about this listener's fully sullied way. All I'm saying is the middle path is great. It's pretty great to watch trailers, guys. I love trailers. Uh, don't go pursuing spoilers if you don't want, but also you don't have to avoid every single trailer ad. I think that's a better way to live. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll be, I'll be as clear as I can be, which I think I've said many times too, is, is uh, different strokes for different folks, man. I, I I'm not trying to, force anybody to 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 go my way i just i just uh want to express how much joy it brings me and i know that there are some people that have started doing that and uh, also got joy out of it but i'm not trying yeah. to you know, I, I'm not trying know to harsh anybody I, I just enjoy this email because it's <laughs> basically it started yeah it, yeah it, i enjoy this email because it's basically uh the seinfeld episode the opposite which is uh, season five, episode twenty-two, in which George Costanza concludes that every decision he's ever made in his life has been wrong, yeah, and that his life is the exact opposite of what it should be. So he decides anytime he has an impulse, he's going to do the exact opposite. By the way, uh, Dave and, did that from memory, folks. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, and, and so he does the opposite, and it actually leads him to amazing places. Basically, somebody looked at Jeff's life, said. That is not the life I want. <laughs> and said, and said I am going to do the opposite of everything Fair. that Jeff is doing. You know? Yeah. That's really um, the only conclusion you can come to. <laughs> it's the only conclusion. <laughs> and it seems like it paid off, you know, as, yeah. as, as one might expect. So, no, I, I yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 So good, good, good for him. Good for him. Okay. Well, you can always write into slash from gmail.com. Before we get to what we've been watching, do want to mention that. Uh, there was one bit of film news this week happened a few days ago. Black Widow, which was supposed to originally come out on in November of this year, has been pushed back. I was originally. Of, originally uh, was supposed to come out in friggin' summer. April. Like I did a I did an episode of my podcast, Culturally Relevant, where I was reflecting on like what how different this year was supposed to be. Like at this point in time, guys, we were supposed to have no Time to Die on Video On Demand. Black yeah. Widow on Video On Demand. Fast uh, 9 on Video On oh, Demand. Yeah. Like These movies would have all already been like out on digital. Yeah, um, Because we would have seen them, had enjoyed yeah. them, talked about them. Yeah, I would have won yeah. the summer movie wager based on them. You know, like all these things would have already <laughs> happened. I don't know about Yeah, that. no, I think so. I think so. Um, so anyway, uh, it's been pushed back to March of 2021. 
And couple thing, couple like implications to this. Number one is that like all the other Marvel films have therefore also been pushed back, right? Yeah. So sure. the Eternals, Shang Chi, and Legend of Ten Rings they have also been delayed because Marvel films, guys, you cannot watch them out of order. You see, right? They're all right. part of a well, cinematic universe. Also, um, twenty twenty just got erased. It's just a big yeah do over. Let, let's just push pop culture back a year, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a mulligan. Then, it's a mulligan on the whole year, is what it is. The other thing is also that, like, this is potentially like a death blow to um, to U.S. cinemas. I mean, it was already not going well, but like uh, top five films at the domestic box office this past weekend. Tenet, three point four million dollars. The New Mutants, one point one million dollars. Unhinged, one million dollars. Um, number five, the empire strikes back $908,000. I mean, that's just a couple of guys putting it, projecting it on their garage door. (laughs) That's all that was. (laughs) That is a brutal, brutal listing. I mean, it's the, that's probably the ceiling on how well it's going to do over the next few months. You know what I mean? Like, and there's, there's no hope in sight. Like black widow could have been something that revitalized theaters, in the right circumstances, but obviously Disney and many other smart people decided, no, it's not, it's not the right time to go back yeah. to movie theaters. Pr- probably and not the best idea to make a movie called black widow, the thing to court people <laughs> back to theaters during. A, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's probably true. It's probably yeah. true. Um, so yeah, it is, I, I don't know what is going to happen, but I, I expect yeah, yeah. that we're going to start seeing a lot of, we're going to start seeing a lot of independent theaters, just straight up close is my guess. Like they're going to just chains. start shutting and chains are going to shutting down. And and well, chains I think have enough capital to survive for a while, but we're probably going to start seeing them run at reduced hours, right? Like maybe they are only open weekends, or maybe they're maybe they only have like two show times each week, you know, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. or each weekend day or something like that. Um, but I I would expect in the next couple months we're going to start seeing this play out in very sad and unfortunate ways. So, I, I think we we know what will save cinema though, because that news also came this week. Avatar two, one hundred percent done. Avatar 3, That's 95% finished. It's true. <laughs> Principal photography, live action photography is done. Live action photography is done. It's not, yeah. the movies are Jeff, very much Jeff, not done. I thought done. you'd be excited about this. I, I am excited. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> joking. These but movies this, will literally could save theaters. Like once they actually get released. Dude, I'm I not joking. That, would that be just the sweetest yeah. redemption for all of this? Is James Cameron just like Cameron. saunters worry, back? Guys, I got this. He's like, I, I developed a new technology. It's 3D virus killing so- uh, visuals. You know, it's a, it's a, it is a vaccine embedded in your eyeballs when you in watch your 3D the movie. glasses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will be keeping an eye on it. But this is, yeah, this is like, yeah. And there's still movies. I think like, um, I think Soul, the new Pixar film, is still slated for November. It hasn't been pushed back yet. But like. I expect the movies that have previously been announced for November, and this is not like a genius prognostication or anything. This is not like my summer movie wager stuff, which is genius. This mm-hmm. is more like just an average <laughs> prediction, right? But I expect uh, like all the movies that we uh, that have been rescheduled for November are probably going to be moved. You know, like uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Soul, the new Pixar film, and also um, No Time to Die, which is supposed to come out in November. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So, um, yeah. Which is like I agree, man. It's very, not there's no bleak. universe. Very bleak. I, I mean, at this point, March 2021 seems pretty optimistic. I, yep. you know, who knows? <laughs> yep. But yeah. I also wonder what. Let's say let's let's play this out for a second and say there's 
some magic moment where you know the floodgates open and we're all able to frolic in the sand with one another once again and we can all go to the movies summer 2021 what does that look like is there just this absolute glut of movies of two years worth of movies that are all being released at in trying to find release dates or like wh- there, there how does that all play right? out of movie yeah. screens and everything right so. yeah here, yeah i mean it's here, probably fewer because so many will have gone out of business <laughs> yeah i mean here is how i see it playing out is obviously consumer behavior will largely shift to streaming right and there will still be movie theaters around um, but they're going to be much more specialized. They're going to be movie theaters around in the same way there is like roller rinks around, right? Like, so roller rinks still exist today. Oh, um, dude, roller rink movie theater is a brilliant idea, Dave. No, no, I'm just saying in terms of their frequency, like of existence, like I just don't, it's going to be very specialized. And because of the whole, like uh, the consent decrees, right? Like it's possible we're going to see like Disney buying up a bunch of movie theaters and like it's going to be a super specialized custom experience, that um, relatively few people in society actually enjoy, it, and not not because of expense or anything, not because it's like a hundred dollars or anything, but just because like most people will have moved on. You know, they'll have you'll have their TikToks and their Snapchats and their silico- know, silicon chips that. and such, <laughs> and their silicon um, chips and their brain implants. Yeah, <laughs> no, we we need yeah. things to do in public. Like as much as public life has kind of died off in America. Uh, I think if you if you build the screens and you put the movies there, people will come. Uh, the question is like, when will that happen? What will it take for us to get back there? I I don't know. Well, I just think there were too many screens. Yes, um, there were too the many demand, screens there, for the yeah. demand, and we're we're about to see a massive correction. Like it was already going to correct itself regardless of COVID, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. we're going to see that correction happen really really harshly and quickly is my guess so i'm terrified so my yeah so my sense is like there will still be movies you know like we'll we'll, you'll still be able to go out and see a movie but it's going to be like far far less frequent is my guess my my suggestion by the way for listeners and everybody who really misses this this experience is uh save that money you'd be spending on you know uh a list and movie tickets because uh projectors are getting pretty cheap and they're easier to set up than you think and it's pretty good it's pretty good, and you don't have to be like a rich person to enjoy it, you know. I keep coming back to this this quote that I heard really early on in in the whole quarantine issue. That some I wish I remembered who it was, but it has stuck with me, and I have thought of it and said it to a bunch of people in the interim. And that is, it's easier to enter quarantine than it is to leave it. Oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like that is really bearing out you know it's really proving to be true that you know it seemed like the most difficult thing in the world to all like start quarantine but it's going to be way harder to there's not going to be like a moment even if even if a vaccine comes out and it's effective there's not going to be a moment it's still going to be who's vaccinated who's not vaccinated how long does like it's going to take years to be going to be yeah there's no moment we'll be in this crazy man yep and on that bright note, yeah, good thing we did everything we could in 2020 to stop this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Well, if only we had known at the time that it was a problem. Let's move on. Let's move on. It's time for me to cut in here and tell you about our sponsor, Manscaped. Listen, fellas, I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna be honest with you. 2020's been hard. It's been hard to stay as hygienic as we should be. That's why our partners at Manscaped have made it easy for you to turn your bathroom 
into your own private dong salon. That's the words they told me to say, dong salon. I don't write some, I just says them. I do, however, I can, however, tell you, I've got the Manscaped package, the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer with its replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents, which is extremely important. I can't emphasize enough how you don't want nicks and cuts in your down low area. That's not a place that you want to be messing around with. Whatever you want to call your, your salon, not going to, not going to, completely adopt the terminology that I've been given, even though I did say it, I think twice now, I can tell you from personal experience, it is not fun if you nick and cut anything in the down below. And that is why you want the waterproof technology that the Lawnmower 3.0 trimming gives you. You can, you can groom yourself in the shower for up to 90 minutes. Plus they just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer i've got their perfect package i mean i don't usually brag about it but i i've got their perfect package it comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to help complete your ball trimming routine these formulations are all vegan cruelty free dye free sulfate free and paraben free so you know you're in good hands even if those hands are your own hands so listen keep yourself looking and feeling great. They've got that Crop Reviver Ball Toner that is a spray-on toner for your down low area. It's got your your two buddies down there. You want to keep them happy. You want to keep them uh, revived. Use that Crop Reviver. They've got their Foot doster, Duster. The Foot Duster Foot Deodorant. It's so good that it can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet. Are your feet dirty? Filthy feet you. Look at you with your filthy, filthy feet. Use our promo code FILMCAST. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Basically, all I'm saying is if you love yourself, you got to go to their site. Hit a few buttons on your phone, and what you will do is change your life for the better. Make yourself feel good Make yourself confident and get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Upgrade that dong salon with the luxury products of Manscaped. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, so I have a chance to watch the trial of the Chicago seven. Aaron I'm Sorkin's so new film. So jealous. Man. Coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, probably going to put a, up a, a, a YouTube review on my YouTube channel, uh, in the next uh, week or two. But, uh, how many, yeah, this, uh, how many extra tickets did you have for yeah, that day? How many, how many friend advice did that include? Okay. Mm-hmm. This one was zero friend advice. So mm-hmm. it's not like I deprived you guys, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, trial of Chicago seven, uh, it is Aaron Sorkin's new courtroom drama. It's great. It's great. Just want to say, look forward to it. It's coming out, I think, in mid-October um, on Netflix. And nice. Okay. Oh, we will be reviewing, is, I am sure. Oh, we're uh-huh. definitely going to be reviewing. It is eerily prescient and um, shows that- It's eerily pr- prescient now, but in three weeks, it'll be so out of date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it shows that Aaron Sorkin still at the top of his game. Uh, I mean, this guy wrote A Few Good Men, you know? Like, he's still got- the skills he this is probably his strongest 
genre is courtroom dramas. So uh, I am excited to talk with you guys about it. Uh, that is The Trial of Chicago 7. It'll be out in a few weeks on Netflix. I also had a chance to watch Alps. Uh, Alps? Have you guys? <laughs> Alps? I have oh, heard Jeff. of this. Yeah. It's just an awful joke. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Alps. I'm much more interested to hear you talk about Alf. <laughs> the gritty Alf reboot. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. I, I had an amazing moment of connection with my wife where we were, uh, I, uh, Alps was on sale. This is, I think, Yorgos Lanthimos's second film or right. uh, one of his early films. Let me just make sure which one it is. Um, but yeah, I, so I, uh, it was on sale. Yeah. This is not his, uh, his second film. Um, he made dog tooth. Then he made a movie called Edinburgh and then he made Alps. Um, but it's like one of his earlier films. He was made in 2011. So nine years ago, it was on sale on iTunes. So I decided to buy it for like $5 because I've, I'm a huge fan of yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos. Other you you want to feel good thing in these dark times, right? Love Dogtooth, love yeah. the lobster, love the killing of a sacred deer. Uh, the favorite was one of my favorite movies of that year. So I'm th- I'm thinking, oh, gotta gotta complete my Yorgos Lanthimos collection. <laughs> um, so I buy Alps. I turn on Alps, and uh, I, I I kid you not, my my wife did not know what movie I was putting on. She didn't know that <laughs> I had any of these thoughts. And I turn on Alps, and she looks at the screen for the first thirty seconds, and she's like. Is this a Yorgos Lanthimos movie? <laughs> not, you, not two you two are you made for each other, man. It was yeah. I was I was genuinely impressed because it's uh I mean his movies are just weird. I okay? hope that by way of answer you just kissed her on the mouth. <laughs> I was very impressed. But his movies are just weird. They're really, really weird and they make you feel weird when you watch. They them. make anyway. you feel weird. I'm sure within those 30 seconds, you felt yeah. like a knife just like, like, plunging into your heart. It's like, what oh, am I, you're you're like you, you watch the first 30 seconds. You're like, what is? what am I watching? What is even happening here? That's my f- emotion watching Alps. Have you guys uh, heard of the movie Alps? Do you guys know what it's yes. about? Yes. Barely. Jeff, do I have your permission? I have to- heard of it, but I do not know what it is about. You're, you're never going to watch this movie, so I'm going to give away the premise. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, that's tell fine. the premise yeah. of Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alps is basically about a, uh, uh, a group of individuals who call themselves Alps, um, and they're each named after uh, they're each named after like a mountain in the Alps. Uh, their job is uh, when someone, or n- not even their job, their side gig is when someone dies, they. Uh, allow they offer themselves up to the family of the uh, of the grieving family as a replacement for the dead person. So they'll say like, "Hey, um, I can go to I can go to your house and like dress in the dead person's clothes and like say things that the dead person would say, and you know you can kind of like um, maybe miss them less or deal mm-hmm. with your grief that way." Yeah, this seems emotionally healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so. It's just a really, really just weird like the real movie. Alps do, just like the <laughs> real Alps. I I don't actually even remember the explanation he gives for the Alps. It's something like, it's it's something like that the Alps are like so important and like you can't imagine the world without them. That mm. yeah, that's how that's how essential the service these people perform is. Uh, and yeah, it's it's really weird and upsetting film. And but what it does do is raise questions of like the roles that we ask people to perform in our lives, you know, and 
um, how to some degree, like the things we do for others around us are a performance. Um, this movie is not as like well-known and critically acclaimed as some of his other films. Uh, it's very inaccessible. It's just, it's, it's baffling. Like what is actually happening at any given point in time? The mechanics of the group, like make no sense at all. In my opinion, this, like this really the, does sound like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. So yeah. go on. Yeah. Um, but I just, I love this guy cause he is, his, his vision is so weird and so singular and, I mean, one of the most interesting the parts of yeah. one of the most interesting parts of Yorgos Lanthimos movies is there are these absolutely bizarre premises, right? Like in the Lobster, where hey, you know, um, if you don't get paired up, I think you transform into an animal, right? That's mm-hmm. the the premise of the Lobster, and everyone's just like, yeah, this is this is what life is. This is cool, you know. Like no one stops the movie to say, hey, isn't it weird that we do this? You know, like everyone just accepts it as a fact, right? No, no one like deviates or breaks the fourth wall or anything. And uh, that's true of this movie as well. Everyone's just kind of, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense for as yeah, something yeah. that people would do after it's, someone It's died. like the Charlie Kaufman mentality applied to like Gus Van Sant despair or in a way or like I don't know <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I I appreciate it. It's not. It's probably my least favorite one of his movies that I've seen. You know, like compared to Dogtooth, Killing of a Sacred Deer, or uh, the favorite. Um, or the lobster, like th- I like this one least, but it's still like, hey, I've never seen any movies like it, so you know, it's got that going for it. Okay, that's Alps. It's available right now in video on demand. Devinder Hardware, what have you been watching? Oh, I've been checking out the Utopia remake that's on Amazon Prime Video right now, and uh, seeing a lot of mixed reviews for this thing, which is, uh, I guess, kind of makes sense. Like this is uh, this is a series created by Gillian Flynn, so it's sort of. The idea of Utopia, which uh, I only watched a little bit of the British series. Jeff, I think, were you a fan? I remember you bringing it up. I watched some of it. I didn't finish okay. it. Uh, I, I thought remember, it was bold. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, it was bold. I, rem- I, was I bold. fell off of it. I fell off of yeah. it because it was kind of uh, just like it was so bleak in a way. It like, was I just dark. didn't. Yeah. I just didn't. Yeah, did, just didn't feel it. This this show is kind of that it is not retelling the same exact story it's still about a group of uh comic fans who find this uh this long lost or like a mysterious sequel to a comic that they love and they feel like it contains um you know the the way to decode everything going wrong with the world or like future pandemics it is a show about pandemics and scientists deploying pandemics to wipe out humanity which is a a, a really weird thing to be watching right now and um I won't spoil like what the ultimate big bad plot here, but it is it is probably unwise to even c- create a villain who is doing this thing in a time when we're going to need a lot of people to be taking vaccines. So, yeah, <laughs> it is it goes places. <sighs> but but I will say this. I really had fun with it in a weird way. It reminds me of um, reminds me of the X-Files. When like it would go full into like paranoid, um, you know, conspiracy theory mode, like the pure Mulder episodes, the times when they bring in, you know, the uh, the lone gunman. Um, this is a show that goes places and it constantly surprised me in a way, too. It is dark. It is kind of bleak, definitely, because a lot of people die and certainly a lot of people you don't even expect to die just will will be off pretty quickly in the series. Um, but I do think the writing it's really fun. It seems like Gillian Flynn is just having 
a lot of fun with this material. I like the characters. I like the the overall cast too. Like John Cusack is in this. Um, Sasha Lane is in this. Sasha Lane from uh, American Honey. And she is fantastic because she plays a character who is sort of uh, almost like mythically cool in this world. And she is like a she she is like somebody from The Last of Us, basically, like a survivor in that respect. So she is brutal and tough and kind of crazy. Uh, Rain Wilson's in this uh, a bunch of great folks. And Desmond Borges, who I believe was in uh, he was in You're the Worst and his energy uh, you know, in the show is pretty fantastic. So I, I like the main crew. I think it's gonna be too dark and maybe still too bleak for most people, but I kind of like this mode. I just like when I like the way Gillian Flynn tells stories and it's, it's surprising in a way that I feel like so many things I watch, like so much Netflix bullshit, so many of these superhero shows just feel like they're either rushing through plot points or belaboring like very little plot or, trying to wow us uh you know by being shocking or i don't know absurd in certain ways like the boys or something um i just never fully gelled with a lot of those things this show i couldn't stop watching like i was really addicted to watching the show which should be a bad thing to watch during a pandemic but anyway i enjoyed it and uh uh, if you're into this sort of thing from what i'm talking about like if you like the the x-files level paranoia i think it'll it'll be a lot of fun for you I remember the British version being very gruesome as well. Is, yes. it, is it really graphic? Yeah, it is. Like, it is yeah. also very, it's gruesome, but also like funny in certain ways too, but it yeah, can, yeah. like it vacillates back and forth. It is not as much a black comedy as the British one was, but I think the overall like mythology they're building up here is like, you can tell this is a much bigger budget show. Cause I feel like the British one was also pretty constrained by just being like where it was. It felt like a very small scale story in a way. Well, that's Utopia. It's a streaming right now on Prime Video. Ha- have any of you been keeping up with The Boys on Prime Video, by the way? I- I- I've-, no. I've-, I've been watching The Boys. I've heard season two is better. So, Here's what I'm going to say about The Boys, which, by the way, you know, is a show that where I, I know people that uh, have worked on it, will you know, continue to work on it. And it's um, what I love about The Boys is you can watch any given episode and be guaranteed <laughs> to see... One of the most fucked up things you've ever seen in your life. Sure. Um, Garth Ennis, sure. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. Garth Ennis <laughs> yeah. comic. Yeah. And, and it's just like, as far as I know, and, you know, um, both of you guys keep me honest here, but like, mm-hmm. there are very few movies out there or very few shows out there that take like such a cynical perspective right. on the concept of superheroes. May, like, the closest thing we've had to it, as far as I can tell, is like the Zack Snyder Justice League movies, but. Mm-hmm. sort of yeah yeah even and that I, is like even that like yeah. i mean it's been years since those movies came out and like i, I will all say the, um yeah. i talked about doom patrol a couple weeks ago and that is a show that's on hbo max that show has a really cynical view of superheroes but it's also like full of heart like in a way that the boy certainly isn't from what i've seen so you know i wouldn't say it's as cynical but it's worth checking out i, ju- I just like the fact that the boys is the only show that I can tell that grapples with the idea that like, if there were superhumans, like they probably wouldn't behave nobly, you know, right. like I mean, many of them. That's they? the first, that's the original yeah. watchman, right? That's yeah, the, that's, yeah. exactly. That's Alan Moore's watchman. Yeah. You know, they probably behave psych- psychopathically, you know, and like that's uh, anyway, that's what the boys. And it's actually been a pretty 
well-worn trope in comics for a long, long time. I mean, Jim Michael sure, Straczynski sure. did like, Ima- Rising Stars. Imagine the Greek gods. What happened with the Greek gods? It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. exactly. You know? I, I, no, I agree. I agree. I guess, I guess I just feel like when I watch TV, you know what I mean? Like, all the stuff is like, yeah. or even movies. It's like, you know, Avengers Endgame, or, you know, it's like all about like, oh, these awesome, you know, how awesome they are. Um, and it's nice to, to be able to imagine, hey, actually, no, like, superheroes aren't the 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 solve that you're looking for. Sure. <laughs> well, you know? it's, you know, it's yeah. the postmodern superhero story, right? It's like yeah. it, it's, comics went through that. They went to this really extended period of postmodern superhero storytelling with antiheroes and exploring like how the, how power corrupts and all that. And it, it you know, it was decades of, of that really playing out in the comics industry. And now we're sort of in this post postmodern place <laughs> where, you know, where, uh, it's kind of the pendulum has swung back a little bit, but um, it, it all you know, led people... to Mark Millar and everything he's doing. So, yeah, yeah. and he's he's going to have literally everything he's ever made as a TV show or a movie. He's got that production company that they sold to somebody. And uh, yeah, so get ready for lots more of that, Dave. <laughs> I'm psyched, man. I'm psyched. Well, there's a really, for... some really good stuff. I mean, Mark Mark Miller is an amazing, amazing storyteller. So I, I'm excited for a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything you are looking forward to, Jeff? Any specific stories you're looking forward to? Oh, there's a book called American Jesus. I think that he, I think that's what that's called. Um, and uh, what is his team book? Oh, it's slipping my mind right now. His team book's amazing. Uh, Jupiter. What is it called? Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter. No, that's, that's the movie. Something uh, else. Yeah. Wachowskis. Uh, uh, hang on, I'm gonna find it. It's cool. Devinder uh, and I are just gonna vamp. We're, we're just gonna you, chill here. Uh, well, I, I actually remember when I was writing for Slash Film that uh, his Nemesis comic was like being turned into a show at some point. I don't think that ever happened. That was like the I mean, anti-Batman. Basically, he he and his wife formed a production company, and that uh, Miller World, and that um, has been sold to somebody. Jupiter Circle. Okay. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy and Jupiter's Circle are outstanding, and it's very much postmodern uh, Justice League. <laughs> you know, sure, it's sure. it's very much that. Um, I mean, look man, at what, what this guy it? did to Wolverine, like Old Man Logan. Jeez. Yeah. But anyway, speaking, speaking of weird weird takes on on uh, things, did, did you guys see the Wandavision trailer, Jeff? I assume you're not watching that, right? Right. Okay. Um, well. I'll just say it looked pretty freaking cool. That's all I'm, I'm going to so say. I'm so excited about for that. I mean, the, the comic is based on is really clever and out there. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the trailer for WandaVision on Disney Plus is going to be released. I, I really think it's going to like inaugurate an, a new era of Disney Plus if and when that show is ever released, right? Like it's going to be like. Yeah, that's, show, that's like the yeah. next wave of of their original programming that's. You know that we've been promised the uh, yeah. the Loki series and the yeah. you know like all these series that we're we've been promised. The what that if, we're... right? The what if, right? Series, right? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very curious to see uh, when that comes out. So, in in well, retrospect, it was uh, really smart for them to prep this whole line of TV shows, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, good. Good foresight on their part. Good foresight. Uh, all right. Anyway, that's what Devendra Hardwar has been watching. Hey, I want to tell you about a sponsor that I have used twice now, and it has been just an absolute joy for my family. This allows me to stay in touch with people, especially now that we're in quarantine. I don't get to see my mom and dad. Uh, They are up in Northern California, and yes, we FaceTime, yes, we talk, but this StoryWorth 
is something that has allowed me to connect with them in ways that we've never done before. Uh, all, over a year ago, Father's Day was a year that I gave my dad story worth. And then this year for Mother's Day, I gave my mom story worth. And it has been incredible. Every week, story worth gives them a fun and meaningful way to engage with me. They get an email with an interesting question that they answer. And these are really thought-provoking questions about their memories, about their own personal thoughts, about things that I probably would never have brought up to them in conversation on the phone, certainly not on FaceTime with my kids bopping around and yelling and stuff. These are deeper, more interesting insights into my mom and dad and their their lives, what they believe, what they think, what they feel, what they've done that I just never knew about. And these are real story prompts, questions that I would never think to ask. And then I get a copy of the email that they fill out, the, the story that they've told. I can read that, I can share it. And even better, after a year, as happened with my dad, StoryWorth compiles all the answered questions in and a photo that I submit to them into a beautiful keepsake book that I can pass down to my kids. It's shipped for free. And it's something that my family will have forever. So do what I did. I honestly, this has been such a special experience for over a year now. And now I'm starting my second year with my mom doing it. Connect with family and discover untold stories with StoryWorth. You can start it right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash slash filmcast. And you'll get $10 off. Again, that is StoryWorth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H, storyworth dot com and then slash and the word slash filmcast s-l-a-s-h f-i-l-m-c-a-s-t jeff canada what have you been watching well uh i had a chance to see the documentary console wars um which is i think on uh, cbs all access although uh, i was sent a copy um blake harris who wrote the book that the documentary is based on was on my podcast uh, he sent me a copy of this movie. I don't know how much he's really involved in it, to be honest with you. But um, his book is fascinating. It's it's about the the console war, the original console war uh, between Nintendo and Sega. And if you were, you know, a kid in the '90s like I was, uh, you will definitely recall when I Genesis recall came Blast out. Processing. You know. Oh, it was all about the Blast have you seen Processing. This <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've read the book, though. I've read the uh, book. Oh, you've read the book. Yeah, Blast yeah. Processing is covered extensively in the yes. movie. And it was total horseshit, right? It was nothing. And th that's, to me, what is so fascinating about this documentary. First of all, I think the documentary is really, really fun to watch, especially if you're nostalgic for that time period, if you lived through it. Even if you didn't and you have an interest in video games, it's going to give you a lot of information about the history of video games. To me, I talked about the Netflix series um, High Score. Yes. And I said I was a little disappointed with it. I know a lot of people like it a lot, but it, for me, it was a little disappointing. This is what I wished that was, mm. right? This is, it feels like the the version for grownups. It really takes a look at the, the industry from a very mature perspective. And it does something that I've never seen any video game documentary do, which is... It doesn't focus on the people who made the games. It focuses on the people who marketed the games. And you really realize, especially during that time, but 
for sure still today, how much marketing <laughs> oh, yeah. dictates. I remember In, those magazine ads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it is fascinating. This documentary is really, really cool because so many of the people that were involved at that time in developing the marketing strategies for both Nintendo and Sega agreed to be on camera and tell their stories now today. Uh, and so you see tons of archival footage of behind the scenes stuff of old TV commercials that will definitely uh, conjure nostalgia if you were alive during that time. Tons and tons of that stuff. And that's, you know, I love documentaries that really are full of that kind of content. Yes, it's full of a lot of commercials that I recognize, but also tons of stuff that I've never seen before. Nobody has, I'm, I'm assuming, has ever really seen before. Um, great, great video of that time period. And then you get all these people now today, the same people you're seeing in, you know, 1992 or whatever it is, uh, talking today and reflecting back on that stuff. It is so satisfying to, to see that, to get context like that and to really realize I was manipulated like a motherfucker as a kid, man. It was all horseshit. It was all manipulation and it was, it was marketing based on very, very little. Uh, and it is a fascinating look inside all of those decisions, all the people that made them, the sort of cynicism around all of it, because it really was a time when this is just a toy. This is a, a way for a lot of dudes to make money. Right. And they saw a, a marketable niche that they could, in a, a, a growth market that they could get into. There wasn't people that grew up on video games. There wasn't a passion for making video games from these people. They, they, they were, you know, the main dude in this documentary is a guy who helped introduce He-Man, right? He came from Mattel and he was, had the golden touch at Mattel and he came over to Sega and started turn them around. And it, and it really was that it was an extension of toy divisions. And so there's no, there's no like fondness for the, for the, <laughs> you know, the art of video games. Cause it was just starting. And these people were just like, Hey, we'll, we can make kids eat this shit up and we'll make a pretty penny on it. And here's how we'll do it. We'll convince them there's stuff like blast processing. And you're only cool if you use Sega instead of Nintendo, cause Sega do what Nintendo don't and all that mm. stuff that we remember. Right. Um, it, I found it to be a fascinating walk through memory lane and a really interesting revelation as to, how these decisions were actually made. It's, it's eye-opening. Well, I am really looking forward to checking it out. It's it's Console Wars. I enjoyed the book as well, and I am really going to be curious to see Console Wars on CBS All Access, right? Which yeah. is where mm -hmm. it is there currently live yeah. right now. You can go watch it yeah, right it now is. on CBS yeah. All Access. Um, right. Yeah, uh, it's so fascinating to think of like how the gaming industry has changed too since then, right, Jeff? I mean, there's it's so much more... Um, uh, gaming is uh, like has by some metrics has already eclipsed, you know, other forms of entertainment. Right? Almost yeah. every metric. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like we compare gaming to like sports compared to movies. Right. Um, there's a reason why it's such a big industry because a lot of money be made there. And it is where like 
Microsoft just spent $7 billion buying a set of gaming companies. It's uh, because seven they, and a half, Dave. Don't drop off yeah. that $500 million, you know? You're right. A couple, couple hundred million at, here, at a couple point, hundred million there, nothing. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going to start to add up to surreal money at some point. Um, but yeah, I, there's a reason Microsoft spent that much money. It's because they, they see it as like, this is the future of where people are going to be spending a lot of their time. Yeah. Um, and so but at that time, it was not a foregone conclusion, right? Atari had come and gone and was a flop. Yeah, and yeah. people didn't think that anybody wanted video games in their house. And Nintendo boldly proved that to be not true. And then here comes, the, you know, this this Sega going, well, we're not going to let them take all the money. We're going to get in there. And, we're, and we found a niche, right? We found our way to muscle in on their turf. And that is Nintendo is this wholesome family entertainment. Let's have a little edge and be the the you know the teen or tween uh mentality of like yeah. oh that's nintendo's for babies and we're going to convince all these kids that nintendo's for babies and sega has blood and sega has violence and it, it, it i mean it was completely intentional and all of the people in the documentary are super honest about how like mm-hmm. the game you know altered beast was a piece of crap we all knew it was a piece of crap but we had needed a bu- <laughs> a tie-in bundle game so we yeah. put Altered Beast on the Genesis. I kind of like, I kinda really? I, I liked Altered Beast. I, I enjoyed playing Altered Beast. Because you were six, you know? <laughs> in the arcade, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the arcade. is a lot different. than The Sega version was terrible. Oh, really? Uh, yes. I, don't re- I don't remember. Um, well, at least nothing bad ever happened to Sega again, right? I mean, they really just rode off into the sunset um, in, in with their massive success. Yeah. Actually, in fact... Um, I assume you guys have heard of the rumors of like that they might be acquired, right? Yeah, they might be the next ones the Microsoft will gobble up. Yep. Yeah, that's been a rumor for a while. So yeah, yeah, we'll see if it actually happens. I wonder if when the the Zenimax thing was announced, Sega was like, "Oh man, like always the bridesmaid, never the bride." You know, like if they, <laughs> yeah. they if Guess there was what, a kind Sega? of like, f- <laughs> Sega, you seven point five billion. You know, you it might be a billion, <laughs> but not seven point five. Uh, like maybe a couple hundred million, you know? Yeah. You know. <laughs> I bet they're in the bees. Their market cap yeah. is really, really low. But yeah. What what is Sega's market cap? Let's play guess the market cap, Jeff. God, I have what no idea. What do you think idea. Sega's market cap is? Actually, I, I can't no even idea. I can't even look at it. I just up. think the value of their IPs for my, yeah. for Microsoft would be a B, you know? They they it'd be in the bill in the bill, but I don't think it'd be multiple bills. I mean the success of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog this year alone means just it's got to be yeah, just the yeah. film means it's got to be like a billion dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, you'd think. So back, baby. Yeah, they're back. Okay, Jeff. Uh, so that's Console Wars is on CBS All Access. What have, what else have you been watching, Jeff? Well, I've been watching something else that might be a surprise to folks who have talked about who have heard me talking about uh, watching dreary things lately and being having an adverse uh, reaction to them. Uh, but my <laughs> my reluctance to put myself through dark entertainment lately pales in comparison to my desire for a good deal. And this week, we watched uh, One Cut of the Dead, which is our featured review coming up shortly on the here, this year's Slash Filmcast. And in order to watch that movie, I had to get Shudder, which Yay. offers a seven-day free trial. <laughs> Which, which I promptly canceled after seven days, but I thought to myself, well, I, you know, how do I maximize this seven days? I'm not, I'm yeah. not really in, into Shudder. I don't, I'm not going to be watching horror movie after horror movie, but I have heard good things about this movie, the Shudder yes. original called Host. So 
I, I watched it. I watched it. I, I was persuaded by its uh, brisk 52-minute runtime mm-hmm. and uh, and all of the positive buzz. I know that we had actually even discussed maybe reviewing it on the show. And so I was like, you know what? The only way I'm going to be able to watch this is on Shutter. I got Shutter for seven days. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, uh, you know, do it. So I did it. Have either of you guys seen Host? I've seen Host. I it's it's super cheesy, but I enjoyed the time I spent with it. I have not seen I, Host. I really thought it was well made. I was yeah. very impressed with Host. There's some very great impressed. practical stuff there. Yeah. Unbelievable. So the premise of Host is that it's happening right now. It's it's happening in quarantine. Uh some some friends get together on Zoom and uh they do a little séance. And then, you know, wacky horror movie stuff happens. But uh, it is not an easy thing to sell the Zoom as a movie concept right now because we are all doing it all the time and we all know exactly how it feels and what it looks like. And this movie could easily have felt completely wrong. It could have felt... False, and uh, they could have felt like actors goofing, and it could have been like, "That's not how anybody behaves." I don't believe this for a second. I, they're all on the screen the whole time. You know, they're in little boxes like we see Zoom. So that's a tough thing too because every actor's on screen all the time. I mean, they do cut-ins and they actually take one character's camera, you know, full screen sometimes, uh, which I think is a smart decision. Mm-hmm. But yeah. This is a very difficult thing to pull off. And I was so impressed by the acting. Uh, I, I, it really felt like real people. It, didn't, it did not feel like a movie to me. It really felt like real people who are hanging out, having fun, uh, chatting, really wanting to spend time with each other because they're in quarantine. I would love to see a behind the scenes of this movie because they do some really clever things. I, I know it was shot in quarantine because nobody would have been able to predict <laughs> that this was, you know, that's what the premise would be. So And mostly shot them. remotely, too, of people yeah. like managing their own cameras and lighting and stuff, which is And then, astounding. as you said, yeah. a lot of practical in-camera effects that I, it would be hard to facilitate in that kind of situation, <laughs> right? Where you're, yeah, like, having yeah. the actor, like, set up whatever they need to set up and... Uh, very, they, they really lucked out with this movie because apparently one of the houses that they shot in, it was like a group of, uh, I think it was stunt performers or something. Oh, really? Like who were, who were staying there and quarantining together. So it was like, wow. there's like one thing over a pool where it's like it was it was something they could do where if they were just on their own and not like with this experience, they probably couldn't have done that. Yeah. It, I was super impressed with Host. I just thought it 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 worked on every level. It did not overstay its welcome. It got in and got out. It did what it needed to do. It, it, it provided thrills. And, you know, I loved, I genuinely loved, I think all of the paranormal activity movies. I really yeah. thought they were good and they are sort of of a time because they are so set in a very specific technological time period, right? The technology is on display in those movies because it's all about how the technology is used to you know, it's found footage and how the footage was captured is very much of the time that those movies came out. And I think this movie could have been another paranormal activity sequel, right? It has the same qualities of using technology of like staring at, you know, what, what part of the surveillance camera am I looking at? You know, what part of the zoom it's, it's great. And, and it does a very, very clever things. I think it manages uh, the suspense in really fun ways. It's not, you know, it's not uh, the greatest horror movie I've ever seen, but it's also yeah. 52 minutes and well worth your time, I think. 
if you're into I those kinds so. of movies. Yeah. And I would not discount Shudder entirely. I think it's uh, they've had some good deals during the pandemic, too, where you could try it for like a month, which is nice. But uh, I like some of their series like Curse Films, which goes over, you know, horror movies that have particularly crazy reputations and, you know, some of the stories behind that. And I found those all really good. Um, it, I find some really surprising, fun stuff. And I also like horror movies. So I found it useful to subscribe to. Yeah. I think it, it looked like a, a lot of great content if you're into horror movies. I'm just, yeah, I like, I like a horror movie every now and again, if it's like, you know, the orphanage or right, right, you know, right. like the, the best of the best. I mean, I, I'll, I'm Top down for shelf but, horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, the, there's a lot of catalog on <laughs> Shutter that I just would never watch. So, <laughs> well, that's host and it's available right now on Shutter uh, streaming service. All right. Uh, before we get to our review of One Cut of the Dead, gentlemen, let's do weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. All right. <laughs> Had to wait till the end of those plugs at the end there. Got to respect the weekly plugs music. Um, all right. Weekly plugs. Well, uh, I will start. After a three-year hiatus, Tobolowski Files podcast has returned. Uh, yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, One of the so, best podcasts of all time. Wow. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, it, well, uh, most, it's uh, mostly Stephen Tobolowski that I'm complimenting uh, here, but... No, I mean, you know, it's kind of, a, I, I like to think of it as a team effort between me and Steven, you know, oh, I, mean, I, think we, I think we both contribute like 50% of, to the podcast. This is a, yeah. this is a Josh <laughs> David issue again that we're talking about. <laughs> um, so not only is the Tobolowski Files podcast back, um, but there will be new episodes every Monday through the end of 2020. We've recorded them all. We've banked. I spent the last few months. Um, I, I, we, I, <laughs> spent so long working on these episodes that <laughs> like i make reference to events that are no longer true in the like we just released the first episode today and i recorded wow. it so many months ago that that i i make reference <laughs> like to i can't wait till i go see fast and the furious in theaters later this yeah. week i know it's gonna be amazing um uh i, I actually talked about how like uh steven's show one day at a time uh was killed by netflix it got brought back uh by pop tv but in the time since then, Pop TV has folded as a network. <laughs> so uh, and now one day at a time. But then one day at a time got came back from the dead again. It's going to be yes. on CBS's yeah. fault. Yeah. So it's like okay, all that stuff's happened. You know, I st basically we started doing this like many months ago. But we've banked up like sixteen episodes. We're going to release them every Monday. Check it out at tobolowskifiles.com. Also, YouTube.com/slash/tobofiles. We filmed a bunch of Steven stories in front of a live studio audience pre-COVID. And we are going to be publishing them at youtube.com slash Tobofiles. So be sure you subscribe there. There's a couple of great stories already. Um, I was getting ready to publish these these uh, performances on YouTube. And I was talking to uh, John Barry, who helped to edit these, um, slash from Cast Listener. And I said, you know what? We should probably put when we filmed these. <laughs> because I don't want people <laughs> to think that like I'm encouraging yeah. people to get out into the theater right now and 
Watch I've seen a lot of like stand up specials and other things do that just to be like, hey guys, yeah. everything is changing every day. So yeah, this is yeah, this was filmed at this point in time. Like, don't conclude anything. Um, but yeah, this was all filmed pre COVID. Um, so this episode was filmed in front of a non socially distanced audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> that's not, the Tobolowski. Do not be alarmed. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Tobolowski Files. Uh, it's at tobolowskifiles.com and youtube.com slash Tobofiles. Thanks to everyone, including Valentina, Tyler, John, and of course, Steven himself for making the podcast possible. Check it out. That's my weekly plug. How about you, Devendra? Oh, I'll be on the Extra Hot Great podcast this week talking about Utopia. Yes. So that's going to be fun. I love Tara and the entire crew there. So this is going to be a blast. They're great. And also, if everything goes smoothly, we're going to be appearing on their quiz show in a couple months. Maybe oh, yeah. I wasn't supposed to disclose that, but I just did. <laughs> uh, so mm. Take that, them. <laughs> I, think it'll be, I think it'll be fine. Um, but I'm excited about that as well. Anyway, love the Extra Hot Great podcast. They, uh, in my opinion, are what an example of a podcast where a lot of work is put into it. Sounds like. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's something that What's I that like you guys. <laughs> it's, it, I, I was going to say it's something that I aspire to, but that's not even true. It's something that I hope to one day aspire to. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. You'll hope um, you want to at some point. <laughs> yeah. I hope I'm going to want to do that at some point. So that's uh Divinger harder on the extra hot, great podcast. Check that out. I'm looking forward to listening myself. How about you, Jeff Kanata? It's been a while since I mentioned The Dungeon Run, uh, a show that I am very, very, very proud of, and I would urge anybody to get a, give a shot. This week's episode, episode 65, was entitled Riddle of the Forges. It is really one of the best ones we've done in a long time. I thought it was so much fun, and we've got this virtual map room technology. So we're playing Dungeons & Dragons remotely. We used to be in a big studio with lots of props and set pieces and cool stuff. Can't do that during COVID. So we have shifted gears and the production team has innovated and done this incredible virtual map room using proprietary software nobody else has anything like it there's actually a team of three people all in virtual reality headsets in a virtual space each of them in their own homes but they're all in a virtual space moving our minis around a virtual table they've got these video game quality bad guys and big cool camera moves inside the VR space inside the virtual space it's incredible and all of that is to put a window on our screen around all of our faces as we play to uh show and visualize the epic moments of fantasy adventure that we are coming up with on the fly that I've written and the players are playing through uh I'm so proud of this show I think you'll love it if you give it a shot we have a 20-minute uh, video that catches you up on uh, 60 episodes that we did. But you can jump right into episode 65 and have a great time. There's a link in the show notes for that. Or you can just search on YouTube for The Dungeon Run. You know, Stephen Tobolowsky and I have kind of a long-running joke. Whenever he writes a new episode of the podcast, he always says to me, David, I think this is the best podcast I've ever written. <laughs> wonder, <laughs> That's awesome. I wonder if you're, it's it's become a joke at this point, but I wonder if you're the same way, Jeff. You're like, most recent episode of the Dungeon Run, it's the best episode we've ever done. Oh, I've definitely um, had a few where I'm like, ah, we didn't hit it this week as much <laughs> as last week. But, uh, you know, I think on honestly, a lot of the audience has thought that we keep one-upping ourselves every week too. And I certainly am only a a part of that there's there's a lot of really cool people that keep like i said the the virtual map room has been upgraded and improved every single episode we've had it since quarantine started so it's 
it's something to check out for sure. The dungeon run. All right. Uh, we'll link to all weekly plugs in the show notes. Um, this week, I also want to thank donors to the podcast. Thanks to new subscribers at the rate of a couple dollars per month, Oscar Segoviano and Chitan Meta. Thanks so much for your contributions. Thanks also to donors, Gabe Moreno, Regina Goodman, Stephen Garrity from Charlottetown, Canada. If you want to support the Slash Filmcast, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash filmcast. Or go to slashfilm.com. Use the uh, Slash Filmcast tab and the PayPal links on the side of the page. Never donate if it in any way causes you any hardship whatsoever. But if you are interested in throwing some bucks our way, of course, we'd be happy to take it. You can also support the podcast for no money just by going to uh, the Apple Podcast page and leaving a star rating or a review for us. If you want to support the Slash Filmcast, you're like, I believe in what these guys are doing, but you don't want to pay money, super easy way to do it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a star rating, leave a review. It really does help. Hey, let me tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. This is something that both my wife and myself have been grateful to have. If there's anything that is interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, maybe you want to talk to a licensed professional therapist. It really can help. It really can feel good. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this is not a crisis line. This is not self-help. This is actual professional counseling that is done securely online. And my wife and I have both taken advantage of this. This is a stressful time. This is a hard time. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of darkness that, that she and I have both been dealing with, a lot of uh, real, real stress. And it's nice to have someone that you can talk to on your own time, in your own space, you get a, a much wider range of counselors that you can choose from because you're not you're not tied to people that just happen to be around you. And if you find that the therapeutic match that you made initially is not the right one for you, BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change counselors if you need. This is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website, betterhelp.com slash filmcast. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So just for Slash Filmcast listeners, get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp at betterhelp.com slash the word filmcast. Let's get to our review of One Cut of the Dead. That was from the trailer for One Cut of the Dead. Now that's a trailer. Uh, let, let me just say, <laughs> random screaming. It's awesome. <laughs> random screaming. Probably don't understand what is being said, but then they're screaming pretty good. Love it. 
I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew uh, shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. Now, gentlemen, I don't think it's possible to review this movie, really, without talking about some of the stuff that happens in the final two-thirds of the movie, right? Very, uh, very short non-spoiler section, I'm guessing. I'm saying like literally like a couple sentences each, I think, is how we got to do it. Yes. In the pre about five sentences that the first oh. two rhyme, and then the second two rhyme, and then the third one rhymes, oh. or the fifth one rhymes. How about rhymes we do a uh, sentence carousel where you say a sentence and then I say the next sentence to continue it? What do you think about that? I hate um, it. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's really hard to talk about this movie without giving away spoilers. So, we, we will endeavor to not spoil anything. We may, uh, it, it may leak out a little bit, but then we're going to get into spoilers pretty quickly. So, uh, let me just ask Devinder Hardwar, what did you think of One Cut of the Dead? Oh, I, I, I love this thing. It's a fun, inventive take on, I, I think, a franchise, like, like a genre that's getting a little tired. But it is uh, it is so meta. It is so like self-aware of what is going on with zombie movies and how it approaches this. And the, the key feature, the One Cut take, I think is, mm, we will talk about some of that stuff in spoilers. But I also feel like even that itself is meta in the way that it handles the approach of the single take like it's impressive in a way um this is a movie that's very much about the act of making movies and i think a lot of people will appreciate that one thing i will say to everybody do not stop watching this movie after 30 minutes which is what my wife did because uh she saw the first part with me and she was like ah i'm done with this i'm like it's not it's really not over yet yeah uh this is this movie goes through a whole set of credits so you have to sit through the first set of credits that's not a spoiler that's a psa okay but i love all right it. All right, Jeff Kanata. Well, Dave, I guess you could say my non-spoiler thoughts for One Cut of the Dead are best summed up in the form of a five-sentence limerick. Mm. Do you like watching scared people cower? Want to see a girl take a blood shower? (laughs) Even if you deny it, I urge you to try it. Just get through the first half hour. Nice. Wow. You had a very similar thought to Devendra about yes. getting through that first half hour. You got to get through the first half hour of this movie. I promise you, I wanted to turn it off. <laughs> I almost turned it off. My wife decided to leave and abandon. She's like, this is wow. terrible. I'm yeah. not watching this. It's too Jeff, wise, this is abandoned. not a movie made for your eco challenge, you know, attitude. No. Okay? No, no, it is you not. You got to stick with it. You got to stick with it. And I'm glad I did. I ended up very much liking this movie. Uh, which is a unique thing to say, right? You have to watch past the first half hour, which you probably will hate, and then you might love. And here's the thing. I don't think it's bad, but it's it's a very specific type it's of bad. B horror <laughs> movie. Yeah, lo- lo- That's a lot of fun. It. A lot of people it's hate bad. it. It's bad. Yeah. I think you it's, I think it's, it's like objectively bad. I, well, yeah. yeah. And on, uh, I enjoyed in, it. In a certain way. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it, it on a I don't think it's without level. joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're, you're, you're taking my you're taking my word enjoy literally, Jeff. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what? I think no, I think you said I, I don't it's think the, it's without joy in contradiction to me saying I enjoyed it. So I was like, oh, you're oh taking yeah, me literally. No. Yeah, no, I don't. I think <laughs> it, you can. Ha- I think it's un- enjo- enjoyable, but I think it is also objectively bad. <laughs> this actually, uh, I think, directly relates to our conversation about Shutter and uh, Jess. Jeff, I, I feel like um, you you just you will probably avoid the B level horror movies, right? Or the things that are yeah. not 
super, super top tier. And I just think right. for me personally, there there's a reason I subscribe to Shudder because I love I love cheesy B-grade horror movies. I love like even the first um, Evil Dead, I feel like is a movie that is kind of rough and there's so much great stuff to it. But it's super rough and you have to enjoy certain aspects of it to, you know, you, you let go of certain things and you accept that this is a low budget thing. They're doing the best they can. What's enjoyable about it? Um, I appreciate B horror on that level. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say I also really appreciated this film. I I, um, I was reading um, some reviews of this movie and some people were saying like the first half hour is god awful and the second half hour is only okay and so on. And I'm just like, you know what? I actually found it all at least okay, if not yeah. good to great. Um, so I, I really love this movie and we can't really get into why until we get to spoilers. But suffice <laughs> to say, suffice to say, I thought it was beautiful, man. I thought it was beautiful. It's a, the, right. the, this movie ends with kind of a, a, a quiet bit of a like a heart punch or a gut punch, which I found surprising in a movie like this because it, I think it there's an emotional stake to it that is kind of subtle throughout, and it it, it is fulfilled by the end of this movie, and I appreciated that a lot. It, it is a movie with setups and payoffs that you do not see coming. Yes, yep. I think. Yes. Yep. 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 All right. Enough vagueness. Let's get to spoilers. For one cut of the dead starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right. Spoilers for one cut of the dead. Uh, So... I think we can now like I, I will say that I think I was reading a review of this movie. I actually think it was Drew McWeeny that was writing about it on his newsletter, Formerly Dangerous, which is like the second week in a row that I've mentioned that newsletter. And he was saying, like, hey, uh this movie begins, and I'm like, this is not the movie for me. But if you hang tight, it's it be you know, <laughs> well, it's like it's yeah, it becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. a different movie, right? Yeah. Well, so okay, Dave. Devendra, you guys, several years ago, I think I was on the podcast at the time, but may have Uh been before I joined. Yeah. I did a play (laughs) called Noises Off. Uh Uh-huh. This movie is Noises Off. And the crazy thing to me is I was thinking that during the first half hour, having no idea where it was going. I was thinking to myself, man... I really appreciate the sort of zany one take uh, effort that's happening. The in-camera effects, all of the the ways that they're delaying to set something up and the way that the choreography of it all. And I go, man, the choreography of all of this really reminds me of doing Noises Off, which is a a farce. It's a a farce inside a farce, right? They're doing a play. As... You watch a play of people doing a play, and that play unravels, and it's crazy. And you, it's it's broken into three acts. The first act, you watch the play or the last rehearsal of the play, and you see it. You see some problems around the edges, but you see basically how the play is supposed to go. Then the second act, the 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 stage literally rotates 180 degrees, and you watch the same play that you watched from the front from uh-huh. the back you see nice. what's happening backstage and all the wacky 
craziness that goes into people making their entrance and going through doors and leaving doors and you see and the people are fighting and having problems and there's a guy who gets drunk and has the whole situation people trying to keep liquor from him and he's falling all over himself and you see all this zaniness backstage then the third act the camera or the uh, stage flips 180 degrees again and you see from the front again the horrible worst possible version of this play <laughs> that is what this movie does That's it is fun. the you, you exact know what's funny, Jeff? thing Th- this movie is based on something from on acting school yeah on a play yeah yeah, yeah. I, it is it is a zombie noises off and <laughs> it's, it's a japanese because, zombie noises off yeah yes and and i I fell in love with it, but it's wild to me that I was reminded of Noises Off before I knew that it was really Noises Off. I, re- I reminded of it because, like, there is a joy in that first half hour of yeah. seeing seeing the choreography, right? Knowing that none of it is faked, none of it is, um, none of it is, uh, uh, you know, digital or anything. There's no effects you're watching. Yeah. Uh, it's it's. Literally, how do we choreograph this? How do we get a person from point A to point B? How do we sub in the makeup and the, you know, the dummy body and all that stuff? And there's a part of it, as I was watching it and kind of not liking the first half hour going, man, we did a better job of this in Noises <laughs> Off. Like, we did, like live, we did a better job of this. And then you go, oh, the yeah. second act. What, what is the first step see, of the prestige? formula or whatever like that's what that yeah. half an hour pledge? is yeah. i yeah. believe the pledge yeah 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 so then you get to the second act of this movie right which is the the every moment after this the first half hour and you realize oh they're they've rotated the <laughs> stage 180 degrees and we're see, i'm we're seeing why there were yeah. all those terrible moments all those laggy pauses and awkward things like were people setups. were just vamping yeah yes and you go but in the moment not knowing that that's what you're watching you're like this is just terrible these people are bad actors like this is just <laughs> terrible and it's and it's a wonderful moment of going oh they got me they got me and now it's as we see the thing and then of course the third act you get back around the front and you see you know the magic of this having all come together. And, and it, yeah. it really is that same structure. And I, I just think it's ingenious of someone to take noises off and make it a zombie movie and pull it off as a film. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Like uh, the, the final act of this movie reminds me of, uh, I used to help out some friends of mine in college who, you know, were making you know, student films and things like that. And the like, you know, the the extent you go to just like make something happen to to kind of frame a shot or try to try to make magic happen on screen, because what is happening in reality is so fundamentally different than what the camera captures. Um, that's a special thing. And I love how the last act of this movie captures all of that. It's uh, it's astounding. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just say what happens, actually, for people who are listening mm-hmm. to this, but who I haven't watched the movie. A, shame, shame on, on you. Go, you. Watch the, shame go watch the movie. Yeah. But B, if you want to know what happens, basically the first 30 minutes is kind of this one take zombie horror film. Then it cuts to, I think, like eight weeks earlier or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Where um, you realize kind of the setup for uh, what was supposed to happen. And then the final act is you're seeing the zombie movie play out again, only with a behind the scenes perspective. Now, I uh, think that 
What is amazing about this film is it is a celebration of the art of filmmaking as art and and of the beauty that goes into like filmmaking and improvisation. And this is a character, the director. First of all, by the way, it's incredible. This movie was made for around twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Right? So the last number I, I, I saw was twenty seven thousand. But yeah. Yeah. So really, really good. It made way more than that worldwide. And twenty six awesome. million in Japan. Yes. So, so that, yeah. that's awesome. And uh, there, there's a saying that he's 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 the director who's played by Takayuki Hamatsu. Um, he describes himself to this woman at this TV station as, fa- <laughs> uh, what is it? Fast, uh, cheap, fast, and cheap, average. and mediocre. Yeah, yeah fast, average. cheap, yeah. and average, right? Because it's a, there's a saying in production that fast, cheap, and good, you can only have two out of the three. Right? right, and he says like I'm fast, cheap, and average. Right, and like he kind of has <laughs> consigned he has consigned himself to a station in life in which he's only making okay things, and he's kind of cool with it. He's like made peace with it, but what the final act of this movie shows is that there is there is kind of greatness that can still be found in something that is ostensibly uh something that something that everyone thought was going to be mediocre and unremarkable and that greatness can be found in like improvisation and like the beauty of figuring out how to solve problems because filmmaking is all about solving problems it's it's a series of dozens if not hundreds of problems that you're solving um and this movie really kind of shows the reality of that in real time because the thing that are broadcasting is live it's about not settling for average which I think yeah. is yeah. is a is a powerful message, you know, in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when everything is collapsing underneath yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I I really appreciate that. That said, I wasn't uh, I didn't hate the first thirty minutes just because like yeah. Anytime anytime something's one shot, I'm always just like, well, I'm I'm inherently impressed by that. You know, like, right, right. If 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 this thing is a C, <laughs> like in if this thing was a C, if it's like normally edited, I automatically bump it like. Yes, three to four half letter grades. You know, like sure. yeah, but you, I, couldn't like help, a, yeah. I couldn't help. I couldn't help comparing it to like Victoria. Right? I was going to say is, Victoria, think, sure, a masterpiece. You know, I, I think Victoria is this incredible achievement, and not knowing where this movie was going, I was thinking, boy, this this is. Fun. <laughs> I don't want to watch this for ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, this is fun, but this is no Victoria. Right? This, this is. I needed a few more rehearsals, I think, or something. You know, but of course, that's the point, right? That's the point is that they didn't have it, it, things are things are going wrong, and you don't know that they are going wrong until later when you get a vision as to what is going wrong. Well, yeah. W- w- what's great about it is like in the first thirty minutes, there's just stuff that's just like off. <laughs> You know, doesn't make sense like, at like, all. It's like, like, why like, okay, stop? I'll give you two <laughs> examples. I'll give you two examples of when I was just like, "This something's not right about this." Yeah, there's uh, the uh, bald guy, right? The guy who has like the I don't even remember what his role is. He like the sound guy or something? Like the bald guy who had the thing. Right? He's the guy that ended up like crapping himself in the movie. <laughs> yes. Um and he's just like completely catatonic during the first thirty minutes. I'm just like, yeah, is that what this guy is supposed to be doing? It's so there, weird. There's drama happening in the <laughs> foreframe and in the background. He's just like yeah, yeah. zoned out. Yeah, it's like what is this guy doing? And then and then there's the guy who like you find out later is like a lush, right? Like he, yeah, his so his behavior is so theatrical in the in the first. It's like oh, that's just like bad acting, you know? Like that's just he's not. It's so that's over so the funny. top. The two uh, the two yeah. moments I would have chosen yeah yeah uh, go ahead are are the the um the 
the moment where they they're like upstairs and they just have to vamp for for like five yeah. minutes of like <laughs> teaching. She's teaching them about her self defense class. I'm like. Yeah. What is this? What are your hobbies? Yeah, I was like, like this what? is this is terrible. This is nothing. <laughs> and then the other moment, the other moment that was really offensive to me is the one, the moment where they hold on the girl and she's holding that like metal thing on the yeah, roof, yeah. and they just hold on her for like five minutes, and, and she's like, just screaming. screaming. I was like, this is a bold, this is a bold choice. Like, why like this you... is awful. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, clearly they're stalling for time on something, but then. And then, uh, yeah. So those are the two moments for me that I was yeah. just like, "What is wrong? What's going on?" It. It, it's all. It's all like you could. You could see also if it was like a big name director or something like attached to a movie doing this technique. People would be like, "Oh, what his his boldness of facing the camera only at the screaming girl." Like the, there's a point where the camera <laughs> falls on the ground. You're like, "Oh man, all the action is happening off screen. What an interesting way to tell that yeah. narrative." And then you see it's like the camera guy, his back just broke um kind of amazing and also who picks up the camera after that is like zooming all over the place and has a completely different feel so you can tell <laughs> it's a different dp oh yeah. so good so good yeah 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 interesting but yeah the part where they're vapping i'm just like this is why is there all this dead air happening like why yes. did they plan it like this this is so weird yeah um yeah but boy did they show us jeff boy did I, they, they show did us. and i think it's a pretty it's a pretty bold move to not tip your hand in that first half hour and really yeah. give no indication that mm-hmm. you know it's 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 i do think it's bad like there are moments that are bad and it's intentionally bad but like there's a confidence in allowing the audience to judge you like that and yes. and then and then because, because they're basically showing you a film that they themselves think has terrible moments like, yes yeah. They, but they're they not, there's no wink wink yeah. Yeah. there's no there's no yeah. we're on it we're in on this so just bear with us moment it's nope. literally, they're just playing it straight you know yep they're just yeah. like you, you gotta have tr- you gotta have enough trust and obviously many people specifically the wives of several size film cast people <laughs> did not did have not. that trust <laughs> did not true. have that trust it is true uh, Which is I, probably, uh, I probably wouldn't yeah. have had that trust if I wasn't yeah. reviewing it, right? I would have turned it off. This is a walkout movie. I can imagine a lot of people giving up on this movie within the first thirty minutes. Really? So I, I, I'm I guess surprised. I'm just like, for yeah. me, I'm I just so like I said, I'm just a sucker yeah, for yeah, the one take yeah. things. I'm just a and, sucker and, for and, the one take things. Same. Like, and I think there there's some good stuff. Like I think the director, who's like very aggressive and crazy in the first thirty minutes, who by the way, the joke is he's actually like this meek, mild mannered guy who doesn't really stick up for himself or his art yeah. as much as he should. Yeah. Uh I that contrast is funny. But the director, I think, is doing great energetic stuff, uh, you know, until things go super crazy. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So And 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 you know, Davinger's point about the end and that that lovely moment where we see that the the picture that he was crying about with the on the shoulders, like he gets the on the shoulders moment, like all of that landed so beautifully and came completely out of nowhere. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, um, it didn't signpost the, the setup, right. It didn't feel like a setup. It, it really, so much of this movie is very smart and very subtle and doesn't, uh, it kind of, it sneaks up on you, and I mm. I got to give it a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it did, it didn't even like it didn't put it into words. You know, it's just sort of like yeah. you see him crying over the photo. His daughter has this great idea of creating the human pyramid, and he's like, "Yeah, she shows it to him at the end." Right? He's like, "I learned it by watching you, Dad." 
End movie. <laughs> End movie. Was, yeah, totally. That's a, that's another moment though that I I was like, this is shitty when he like the crane move when yeah, it's all like jostled yeah. and bad, and I was like, they could have done this smooth. It's not hard. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, they they didn't exactly have a movie to work with, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> well, they did, but, and it falls <laughs> off the roof. <laughs> they did, and then of course there's a drone at the end of the actual movie, yeah. which is which yeah. is funny. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that was the thing. Is like I I kind of appreciated that. I, I don't I, I don't know. May, maybe I like I don't know how much they explained it, but I don't feel like they explained particularly well about that that huge contraption was a crane and what even right, a crane right. move is. I felt like it was kind of relying on your knowledge of filmmaking to really get it. Maybe, they they maybe say the crane, the crane broke. Yeah, no, no. Like, he says do, it yeah. out loud to the dude at the end. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just is like, it's, it's funny how much the movie doesn't explain to you, basically. You know, mm-hmm. the beginning of like not saying, hey, this is what's actually happening. But yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but the but, moment where, the, sorry, quick, real quick. The moment where um, uh, the movie goes from that like shitty, not lit, single camera like camcorder look to <laughs> color corrected uh, yeah. you know composited shot you know uh, yeah. with cinematography that moment i was like oh movie what what have we done where are we <laughs> that movie that moment i was like i sat forward in my chair and i was like what is this yeah. and i remember my wife coming back <laughs> in and she was like minx what's happening <laughs> exactly uh, my wife it's like oh you do know how to make a movie you have my attention but now you have my interest yeah <laughs> yeah and my wife comes walking back in the room and she's like so did it get any better and i go actually <laughs> you'd be shocked it's, it's <laughs> it was pretty cool it was the last 30 minutes was such a delight. I, I was laughing so much. It's just like, oh my God, this is amazing. You're seeing it, the same thing you saw, but recontextualized in, in such a funny and delightful way. I just had yeah. so much fun with the final 30 minutes. I mean, oh, it is really I love it the is messages. So worth the I just love the way they had to hide the messages to the people and then, like, they have to, <laughs> yeah. so they have to read it but not react to it. You know, it's uh, so good. It's so great. good. I also loved the end credits. I'm so glad they had mm-hmm. some of that like actual behind the scenes stuff of them really, really doing it. Um, so that is you're so watching, satisfying to me. You're watching the uh, film crew, film a film crew, um, <laughs> film a film crew, I think. I think yeah. there's like three levels. Yeah. Three levels deep inception. inception style on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're doing the full on inception. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's cool. I actually just, honestly, I was like, this is interesting, but I'm going to shut this off because it's breaking my brain right now. <laughs> like how many, <laughs> how many layers of meta we are at this point. But anyway, sounds like we all love the movie. Sounds like we all found it to be a delight. That's great guys. I'm yeah. Glad. We needed that. We needed that. <laughs> we needed this. We, we needed this, this everyone. Do, needed do you guys this. feel like it was saying anything specifically about the use of one, like long takes and one cuts, you know? Or no uh, cut you, shots you, like this. Were you this. thinking that it was kind of taking the piss out of out of I, them? A I bit? think a little bit too, because like the way it was set up by the producers are like, we got, we got this crazy idea. We're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do this live. <laughs> we're gonna do it one cut. And it's gonna be a ratings hit. What could go wrong? And to me, it does feel like this is the pure like carnival barker aspect of people using this tool in a way to be like, hey, look, we're special. Um, and it does feel like it can be overused. We've seen it happen a lot. And I don't think, you know, having a good long take is enough to make you special or interesting. Um, I'm thinking of like the freaking opening of Spectre, 
which is a very, very long take of James Bond walking through a crowd and going up an elevator and, you know, and romancing a lady and then a building explodes. But it's a long take that is literally all style. And to me, that's that's the minute where I realized I hate this movie. I hate what's <laughs> happening here. Even oh, that, though I love literally Skyfall, like three, three minutes into it. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's like, oh, this is interesting. But you are not telling me anything. You're not giving me context. You're not giving me character. It's just like, look how cool James Bond is, you know, for five minutes uncut. Look what we can do. And I, I think that bit of it is in this movie, too, of where like, yeah, you, you probably could have made a better low budget zombie movie if you weren't trying to do this crazy gimmick. Right. It's interesting. It's interesting, Dhirendra. I, I didn't take I didn't take that away from it. Um, I remember something that Stephen Tobolowsky of the Tobolowsky Files, nice cross promotion there, um, that he said in the movie The Primary Instinct. He said basically, um, when you do a live show, mm-hmm. which is what The Primary Instinct is, or in this case, when you shoot a one take thing, there's blood in the work. And what he means by that is not literally, but that basically, you're really. Yeah. Sticking your neck out there, you're really putting yourself out there because if something goes wrong, like it is either going to reflect really badly on you, or you are going to need to scramble like hell to fix it. Yeah, and that's I actually thought it came from a rather respectful place of what one take movies or one takes can be. I, like, I, I mean, I, I can see blood, that there's too. There's blood in the work. There's blood. In I the can work. see that too, for sure. And by the way, has there has there ever been a live one take production? Yeah, uh, I don't um, think so. No, there's been stuff like that. Like uh, ER did a live oh, yeah. episode yeah, once. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, no, there's, there's a lot of live episodes, but not one takes. One take. I think I'm pretty that sure it was seems one take. Insane. Um, uh, uh, yeah, let me. Uh, let me. I, it it did re- remind me of like those, you know, live musicals that they're doing that they did on TV pre-COVID. You know, they were doing Grease and yeah, yeah. a lot of other ones, and it it always felt to me like. Who cares? Like, why? Did, yeah, who what, cares? What about it being live makes it better? And it, it's kind of you're watching the same a bad here. stage like, production live. Congrats. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. need to be live. It just, I guess, there's a, a potential for things going wrong is the only thing that you're that makes it special. But I don't know. I, that was the kind of funny thing in the movie too. Is it, there's no need for this to be live? Like, just like rehearse it and do it a bunch of times and then put it out. <laughs> when you so. Uh, uh yeah i don't know that you were you're distinguishing now between live and one take obviously if it was performed live like they had to do it live but i think sure, sure. You, you were saying no like no no one, one take camera? is no edit yeah one camera there's i'm one, sure that yeah, er camera, episode gotcha. had edited you know edited different to different take to different cameras and different rooms and stuff um yeah that's correct um i remember cameras. the er thing I mean, that was multiple yeah <laughs> the episode was ambush the first episode of the fourth season for those who are curious um but yes uh so yeah there are live ones but yeah i don't know that there's ever been live with just one camera i guess that's the thing that's this is this is a new is challenge single camera right yeah yeah maybe um i mean it's, also, a, it's a contrivance for this film yeah. so that all of the things that happen can happen, right? There's no movie. I know, right? I know, but that who, who is that crazy? Who would be that crazy? You know? <laughs> Clearly that lady who was watching her cell phone the whole time that they were doing. <laughs> A true producer. Come on. Yeah. Um, A producer but, at every film screening, by the way, every press screening. That's that's where they're looking. Yeah. Uh, um it's a it's a good point though yeah the fact that it is one camera one take like mm-hmm. that's if 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 they had multi cameras then it like there would be no movie, it breaks right? the whole thing yeah, yeah it breaks the whole, the whole yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I'm trying to think. Like Thirty Rock also did a live episode. I think. I just don't um, think any of them know, would be crazy enough to just you, have you a single camera. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure we're gonna get about 35 emails this week explaining which TV show actually did it live with one take. Let us know. I'll, I'm gonna forward every single one. I'm sure it'd be straight, just like a concert, you know, straight or to something. Jeff. Yeah. Straight to Jeff. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's gonna bring us to the end of our review of One Cut of the Dead. Great movie. Check it out on Shutter or buy it on video on demand. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. And our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. Thanks to Beatty Zhang for editing this week's episode. I think that is going to do it for us. Okay, next week. Next week. Um, I, I think I specifically said something along the lines of we're not going to do Enola Holmes, uh, the movie, this week because none of us want to watch it. Well, guess what? Very little else is coming out. And so we're going to review watch Enola it. Holmes next week. So, yes, we're going to review Enola Holmes. I think after I'm um, thinking of ending things and The Devil yeah. All the Time and Mulan, three yep. equally depressing films, uh, we <laughs> wanted to do something on the lighter hearted side of things. And so, One Cut of the Dead, Enola Holmes, this is our attempt at livening things, lightening things up, lightening things up. So the pickings, they be our, slim. <laughs> the pickings, they be slim. It's going to be a couple weeks till the trial of Chicago 7. Uh, but yeah, um, and Devendra refused to watch the second, uh, which, you know, I respect that decision. I, yeah, also, no thanks. There's this new Jessica Chastain action movie. Have you guys heard of this? Ava? I heard about this, and it sounds like a bad atomic blonde. But yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch a, it. Let's be fair. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I'm such a big a fan of jessica chastain is a, yeah. like a really a huge admirer of her work um but yeah this movie has not gotten good reviews so directed uh, by tate taylor yes the guy behind the help the tate taylor anyway um i'm probably i'm probably gonna watch ava at some point as well um but anyway yes the pickings they be slim so until uh aaron sorkin's new movie come out comes out we're gonna be reviewing stuff like Enola Holmes out on Netflix right now. Although if people want us to review older movies, you know, you know where to send those suggestions. Well, well guys, guys, I mean, yeah. remember when we were doing like what we were doing one recording every two weeks um, yeah. pre COVID and you guys got to choose movies that you like. Do were that. On your Let's list? do that. We don't have to do Enola Holmes. It was a good time. Well, was I, a good time. Well, I'll just say, I'll just say I never got to choose one. Like we never okay. got to. Well, that we was by you. design. <laughs> <laughs> We did you, we did Devendra, you know, Jeff, and then, uh, yeah. but we never and then got somehow Devendra because... and I lost interest in this process. <laughs> you lost interest <laughs> in the premise. So anyway, um, pick your thing. Pick I'm your still, thing. I'm still no, hoping. No, 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 no. We watched, uh, we watched freaking what was Demolition Man based on you. That was, not, I, that was Alan I will Yang, count that dude. to you. <laughs> that was Alan Yang. Just because we're both do not, Asian, do not what throw fuck, Alan dude? Yang under the bus. Yes, that's not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> listen, listen, it's an easy mistake. Listen, we can all we can all just safely blame Alan Yang. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I recall, I re- writer director I, I, of Tiger Tail. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, that's that guy. Um, he, I remember you really excitedly coming to us with Demolition Man. I think at some point, weren't Divinja, we talking just about just because before? I was excited about watching Demolition Man does not mean I chose that as the movie. Okay, you made it a reality, sir. 
It's all your thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to okay. with Devendra on this one. It um, counts. I, I think you're both dead wrong. Um, yeah, but okay. I'm just saying that that counts. I, I, I mean, this is just really not cool what you're doing right now. That's all I'm going <laughs> to well, say. We, I think we can both agree that Enola Holmes is your pick. Yes. <laughs> I refuse. Here, okay. I mean, here are some things. Here are some things that come to mind. Okay, so you guys can start thinking about. You guys can start thinking about it next time we actually do agree to do the my movie. Okay, which could be October thirteenth, to be honest. So yes, it could be. <laughs> yeah. It could be the week after this. Okay, but the movies that I would think about. First of all, I think there is value to be had in revisiting the Kevin Costner three-hour epic, The Post. Oh God. The post why not Waterworld? That's at least good. No, but I the would, postman is guys, the postman is so relevant to what we're is going on right now. This is this is such right? a Dave pick. Dave post picks apocalyptic the bad. post-apocalyptic yeah, future in which the movies. post office has been gutted. Um <laughs> anyway. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh the other here's another thing. I have the 4K Blu-ray of Apocalypse Now, the final cut. I have not yet watched it. That is also three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> This is I why the power to choose has so been much. removed from your hands. Wow. So those are those are a couple of things I'm thinking about. Those are a couple yeah. things I'm thinking yeah. about. So maybe yeah. maybe we'll do There's that. This movie called Solo. I've heard uh, I've heard <laughs> yes. good things. Five hours of Sodom. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, that's what you guys have to look forward to. A couple weeks. Wait. Okay. Wow. You should definitely start that back up again. <laughs> but until then, it's going to be a Nola Holmes. All right. Until we get one tweet from one person (laughs) telling us not to. (laughs) See you guys next week.